initially when rodeo started, women competed equally with men, kind of in the transition period between the Wild West shows and actual competitive rodeo. Uh, women were right up there along men, uh, steer wrestling, bronc riding, bull riding. Really? Doing all of that stuff, yes. Um, and there kind of became this political movement to get women out of rodeo. They thought that they weren't tough enough, even though they had proved time and time again that they were. I was really judgmental of the rodeo queens and, and what their capacity was mm. for rodeo. And I'm the first to admit it. And mm -hmm. I remember being challenged by Ashley Ziegler, the 2010 Miss Rodeo Oregon. And she said, well, if you have a problem with it, like you can't change it by being the same as everyone else. Like, don't be afraid to be different. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Powering Up, our cross-generational podcast about leadership, power, and gender through a female lens. I'm Ann Doyle, and I'm on my own for this week's episode because my millennial co-host and niece, Monica, is on vacation and will be back with us next week. But she really hated missing today's conversation because we are going out west to talk about the growing sport of all-girl rodeos. And, you know, I was a horse-crazy little girl, and I'm still a horse-crazy grown woman, but uh, as a little girl, I spent hours not riding my horse, as my two guests did, but riding my toy chest, uh, imagining that I was Dale Evans on buttermilk uh, chasing bad guys uh, or Annie Oakley hitting all those bullseyes. So uh, my two guests are actually living my fantasy life. Welcome, uh, Nicole and Katie Schrock. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you know, Nicole and Katie uh, are not only skilled horsewomen, but they are also um, two of the driving forces behind um, this growing sport of all-girls rodeo. And they also made history uh, because they are the first sisters ever to both win the title of Miss Rodeo Oregon. So I think that's pretty cool. But I also want to tell um, everybody a little more about both of you because you're a whole lot more than that. Uh, Nicole, um, the older sister, I, I know you were born and raised in Corvallis, Oregon. I know that beautiful city very well uh, because of my friendship with uh, the family at Stallbush Island Farms. Um, but I, knew you, I know you grew up participating in 4-H at the Benton County Fair. Um, and then um, you um, became uh, the Benton County Fair Rodeo Queen. And, um, and then, of course, uh, I think 2013, you were uh, Miss Rodeo Oregon and now a member of the Benton County Rodeo Committee, um, where I know you took the reins as uh, chair and launched this first ever Larry Bell Memorial All Girls Rodeo in Oregon, which is heading now into its third year, right? Uh, that's correct. Yes, we've successfully competed in two years and uh, looking forward to many years to come. Okay, well, let me just mention a little bit about Katie here, your younger sister, who uh, not only followed in your footsteps, becoming, I think in 2016 it was, uh, Miss Rodeo Oregon, and also competing at the national level, but now the owner and uh, founder of Western Insights Media. And uh, Katie, I know you're putting your journalism education to work as a co-host. Uh, I've listened to your podcast, That Western Life, and I know that you are very committed to being a source of information about 
uh, the Western lifestyle from ranching and farming and rodeoing, not only as businesses, but really as an important part of American culture. So there's so much to talk about. And let's just start. I want to hear uh, about this all-girls rodeo in, um, in terms of um, what it is and um, how it's different from regular rodeo. Yeah, so I actually got the idea. I was the one that pitched this idea to our rodeo committee to host an all-girls rodeo, and that was following the success of another all-girls rodeo that was spearheaded by a young woman in the area named Sasia Lachlan for her senior FFA project. And I thought it was just such an amazing event that I was like, we need to be a part of this too. And so we started our first ever uh, all-girls rodeo, and we named it after Larry Bell, who was a founding member of our rodeo committee and very involved in our community. And his family has always sponsored our pink-out night, so it just made sense to name the rodeo after him, make it our pink-out night, and just make it an overall ladies' night. Well, you know, I was at a rodeo uh, in Tucson, actually, earlier this year that uh, I I guess this was part of the the national rodeo competition that had its, uh, you know, it was in town when I was there and we went to see it. And, uh, you know, the only women in that were the barrel racing women. And and so is that the issue is that the, the, the professional sport is pretty much dominated by men? Yes, that is definitely the case. Uh, The quick version of history in the sport of rodeo is that initially when rodeo started, women competed equally with men, kind of in the transition period between the Wild West shows and actual competitive rodeo. Uh, Women were right up there along men, uh, steer wrestling, bronc riding, bull riding. Really? All of that stuff, yes. Um, And there kind of became this political movement to get women out of rodeo they thought that they weren't tough enough even though they had proved time and time again that they were now in 1910 there was this really terrible bronc riding accident in which a young woman a world champion uh, actually died from it and that became the turning point where they basically ran women out of rodeo now if you fast forward women found a way back into the sport as rodeo queens and as barrel racers mm-hmm. and in today's day and age that's predominantly where you see them in a professional rodeo capacity. Now, there is a Women's Professional Rodeo Association. They're the ones that sanction the barrel racing that you see at the professional rodeo level. But I think a big push in the last year or two has actually been in breakaway roping, which is a roping event that has allowed women to compete in a professional rodeo capacity as well. And I expect that to be very, very popular moving forward. So it'll give you another opportunity to see women competing uh, you know, with the cowboys on a professional level. Now, I want to I wanna get into what these events are, but back me up for a second, because you talked about the fact that there was this accident where um, a, the champion, you know, woman rodeoer um, mm-hmm. died. But I'm sure yes. a lot of men have died over the years. I mean, it's, it can be a very, very yes. dangerous sport. Isn't that true? Yes. And actually, this, this, this wreck, as you could call it, is actually very, very interesting because it was Bonnie McCarroll, and not only had she competed... Uh, as a world champion, she competed in Madison Square Garden, which at the time was one of the biggest rodeos in the world. Mm-hmm. She did exposés for the Queen of England. Like, she was a big deal, and her husband also competed. Now, wow. back then, they did this thing where they hobbled their stirrups, which means that women, when they rode the Bronx, their stirrups were uh, tied to the horse. So they were tied, so they wouldn't move around. And they thought that that would make it easier for them to stay on. <laughs> it's However, probably worse, so, you know, isn't it? 
Yes. So for those who understand the sport of rodeo, uh, and maybe some who don't, you can imagine that was actually way, way, way more dangerous. Uh, if you ask a cowboy today to ride with their stirrups hobbled, they would say, no way. But for some reason, back then, they thought it was a good idea to do it to women. And so that ended up being why her wreck was so horrific. Her horse stumbled coming out of the chute, fell down. She got hung up because she couldn't get her foot out of the stirrup because they were tied to the animal. And mm-hmm. it resulted in this terrible accident. Mm-hmm. And this was in 1910 at the Pendleton Roundup. Wow. Now, um, and I want to understand this. And so, I mean, you know, this this sounds familiar to uh, women, whatever field we've been competing in. I mean, we feel as if, you know what, we've, we've been doing these things from the time we were kids. We we know we're just as tough and we're just as skilled. And somehow you keep going up through the levels and women just start getting driven out. Uh, is mm-hmm. that the parallel? It, it sounds about right to me. <laughs> now, is this, um, this is Nicole who's been explaining all this. Is that right? I want to make sure yes, I ma'am. know who's talking here. And Katie, um, are you competing in the, the rodeo as well? So I am. I took a little bit of a back burner, which goes with why I ran for Miss Rodeo Oregon um, because I had bred my mare and she had a foal. So while I was waiting for him to grow up, in essence, I decided to follow my sister's footsteps and and be Miss Rodeo Oregon, which was a total harebrained idea at the time. Um, right now, I have two horses that I barrel race with. I don't rope. Nicole also ropes. She's also goat tied. Uh, she does pole bending, barrel racing. So she does all the events that are in our all-girls rodeo, and that's what I aspire to hopefully be able to do someday. But I do know that a lot of my skill comes in the administrative and marketing side to be able to bring more of these rodeos to fruition. So are both of you working on um, the actual the leadership, the administration of getting these rodeos going. I mean, I think uh, what I understand is is that there have only been very few. I think you your first one was last year in Oregon. Is that right? And what's going on from a big-picture point of view? Uh, this is Nicole chiming back in on Okay, one. yep, that helps. Good. <laughs> I didn't really get yeah. to that before. So. Um, yes, yeah, so last year was our first ever, and it was such a success. It was easy to bring it back last year and continue to build on that you know now the issue is working ahead to accommodate the number of contestants that want to enter our event and so then that's where i katie come in um i put together a team um we've been i've been running barrel races all year to help promote the all girls rodeo Mm -hmm. as a part of the benton county rodeo association so taking an event that's pretty popular barrel racing and Mm -hmm. really bringing awareness Uh, we also ran a goat tying clinic to help teach people how to goat tie. So what we're moving forward next year, and this is like our breaking news, is we are have a team together and we're putting forward the Pacific Coast All Girls Rodeo Association. And our goal for next year is that we have three rodeos and our Larry Bell Memorial will be our final since that's the rodeo that everyone's looking for. And, and everyone's, I mean, Nicole can give you the numbers. When we opened up the deadline or the applications for the final, for our Larry Bell Memorial All Girls Rodeo, it was within five minutes that we had 10, 15, 20 applicants just within that five minutes. Wow. Of it being. And so we know that there are people out there that want it. And so offering a junior division, offering clinics, and, and then having the finals kind of limit that number. I, we had a very, very large number turnout who wanted to come. We couldn't even take everybody. And we even threw in an extra day performance of, of even more runs of overflow. 
So we're hoping to do three rodeos this year, and I think our rodeo committee is looking at hosting the first one to also be able to walk other rodeo committees through what it'll look like to have their own all-girls rodeo at their rodeo facilities. And we have a lot of rodeo arenas that have a Sunday that they aren't using after their normal rodeo or maybe a Wednesday before their rodeo starts, and we really encourage them uh, to open it up for an all-girls rodeo. And what are the ages of the girls and women, I'm assuming, who are competing? Well, uh, you know, we didn't actually ask for their age when they entered. However, if I was to take a guess, I would say our youngest competitor was probably around 10 years old, and our oldest was 50s, 60s. Wow. So quite a range. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. So tell us. So, <laughs> go ahead. We had mothers, daughters, you know, grandmas there coaching. It was just a really great family atmosphere. Oh, my gosh. All right, so explain what all the different events are because, I mean, my I'm based in Detroit, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, but we have listeners um, all around the country, and, you know, people could be listening in other parts of the world who are fascinated by American um, culture of the West. Uh, so tell us about, like, what are the events? Yes, yeah, so the events that we offer for our all-girls rodeo, we offer five events. Uh, We start out with team roping, which is a team sport. It requires two competitors and, of course, their horses. And one ropes the head of a steer and the other one ropes the heels, and that's when their time stops. Our second event is breakaway roping, which I mentioned earlier, and that's one contestant. They rope a calf, and as soon as they rope the calf, their rope breaks free from their saddle horn, and that's their time. This is a very fast event. You're looking at, like, less than two seconds for a it's, winning run. It's yeah. like a slam dunk contest, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah. It's a lot of skill. It looks so simple because they're so fast, but, you know, if you could slow down and see it all, you'd realize it's a lot more challenging. Okay, keep going. Keep explaining yeah. these different events. And our, our third event that we offer is called Goat Tying, which Katie generously said I could do. Uh, <laughs> I'm not good at it. Uh, the idea of jumping off of a horse just galloping at full speed is, is not really in my repertoire. But um, ideally, in a Goat Tying run, uh, the, the cowgirl rides her horse to the end of the arena. While the horse is running, she jumps off. There will be a goat stake uh, on a tie at the end of the arena, and she'll flank him and tie three of his legs together. And it has to stay tied for six seconds for the time to count, but that's it's pretty wild. It's definitely a crowd favorite. Anything with goats is wild. Yes, the goats are wild. <laughs> the chances of them turning back and headbutting you or kicking you. Yeah, we keep a tally sheet, you know, goats on one side and competitors on the other. <laughs> Who's winning? <laughs> yes. And um, then our final two events are maybe a little bit more familiar to people uh, would be our pole bending which is a timed event. It's got six poles, and basically it involves a weave-type pattern. Uh, if you ever see dogs do agility, it's kind of like that yep. uh, when they weave from the poles. And then our final event, of course, is the ever-popular barrel racing with the three barrels, and you do a clover-leaf pattern around them. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so what, uh, what has been the response? Well, for example, I think the best way to sum this up, uh, I secretary the event, which means I handle all the entries and I keep the records of the scores and things like that. And mm-hmm. as I was doing payouts and giving out awards and touching base with all of our contestants as they left this year, I asked them, I said, what do we need to do to make this event better? Mm-hmm. What would you like to see? How can we make this even better moving forward? And every single one of them, whether they had placed or not, the only answer I got was just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's so powerful because in their mind, it's just give us this opportunity. We love having this opportunity. Whatever you can do to make it better is great. But just having having this moment to showcase what we can do and show that we're not a dying breed is so important to us. And then this is Katie jumping in from like the, the marketing side of it is I spend a lot of my time, you know, keeping my finger on the pulse of like the crowd or the public or the community, like what's that urban rural divide look like. And one of the most like interesting things from that first year was I had no idea what the reception would be. Like I thought nobody would come to the all girls rodeo because we Mm -hmm. didn't typically have a rodeo on that night. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, Oh, it'll be like parents and such. And we had a packed house, if not the same size, bigger um, than our regular rodeo. And it was crazy because, you know, no one in this crowd, I guarantee you had ever seen goat tying before. (laughs) And so my first thought was like, Oh no, like what? Like these people have probably only seen a goat at like goat yoga. They might be traumatized. (laughs) And people were like cheering and on their feet. And I just was like, you know, we didn't have a sound man. Like we have at our normal rodeo. We didn't have a rodeo clown. Like we have at our normal rodeo. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Oh wow. Like, we tapped into something here and, and to have people calling us afterwards for weeks on end just saying, well, what was that? How do we do that? Do you do any others? And that was like a great feeling to be like, okay, we're in the right spot. We're moving forward. And you couldn't tell if they were cheering for the goats or, (laughs) (laughs) which I also thought was great. There, I remember that first year there was a group of older ladies there that looked like they were about to hit the strip in Vegas. They were all decked out. They had their wacky sunglasses mm. and their pink Mardi Gras beads. And I think that really cheered me up mm. seeing them show up for their ladies. They, they made it their own ladies night and they came back this year. And I thought that was amazing. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I wonder about this, I mean, being someone who lives in the northeastern part of the United States is, do all these competitors have these skills because this is the life they live and they're, they're growing up on ranches and doing these things every day or is some of this um, a sport that they compete in as girls maybe compete in soccer or basketball I mean give me some sense of how they develop these skills so it kind of is one of those interesting things where I feel like women kind of get phased out and as an athlete in other sports like I noticed this you know as you get older you know like I played basketball growing up and then as you get older you're just like well do I really have the time you have all these weird social like norms that start playing on you of if you should keep doing sports or keep doing this right. and with junior rodeo circuits there's so many opportunities I they had thousands at I mean thousands just competing not even in the membership at our Northwest Northwest Youth Rodeo Association rodeos you're talking then, girls as well as boys competing at the youth correct. level is that right that's part of the whole mm-hmm. culture out there Yep, yep, and uh, a lot of the youth girls will be team roping, they'll be breakawaying or steer dobbing, you know, kind of a variety of events as well. And then as they get into high school, that number drops significantly with opportunities and financial costs. Then you get to college, and that's a whole other elite level. Mm-hmm. You have the amateur level, and then you have the professional level. And it, the weeding out as you get there, I think it's exponentially higher than any other mainstream sport. And so that's kind of been one of the, the bummers, like now that – I know we didn't grow up rodeoing by any means. So for us, as Nicole and I are in our mid-20s, it's harder for us to be like, oh, well, we would like to get into this. Like, how can we be a part of that? Mm-hmm. Right, right. I also think that, um, you know, looking at these 
girls' backgrounds, too, can also be based off of where they grew up and their family connections. Mm -hmm. You know, there's different uh, localized areas where, you know, they're expected to be able to rope on the ranch and things like that. And then there's other pockets of Oregon or the Northwest where they're restricted either by, you know, mountains or travel time or nobody's in that area to teach them that. And so, you know, being able to spread this, association these all girls rodeos will also be able to spread the opportunity to educate the youth that want the opportunity and maybe they're the ones that would phase out because they didn't have the coach or the mentor to take them to the next level maybe we can provide that right well and i know this is really part i think you both feel passionately about this in terms of the the western culture uh american western culture because i mean for me i grew up um you know watching that Roy Rogers and Dale Evans on TV. I'm dating myself here. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> Gene Autry. I mean, you know, really. It's the, but, you know, I mean, my, and that was very much about uh, the fantasy. It's built into the fantasy of America. But my son grew up, uh, you know, his, his fantasy was Star Wars. And so to sort of, um, I guess, continue that part of America as an important part of our culture um, maybe part of this too. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a big part is, is that Western lifestyle is becoming cool again. Like denim fashion is in style. Country music is the genre of choice. You know, oh, yeah. what, being, being Western. It's being very country, cool. Yeah. It's Yellowstone's <laughs> out and everyone's like, yeah, we're going to go Yellowstone it. I'm like, Yellowstone just became a verb. So, um, <laughs> it's really interesting because I think, and this is kind of what I've built my business on is, I think that we have a great opportunity to just capitalize on that and break down that urban-rural divide and make sure that people who are from the city who are interested in one lifestyle and want to know more about it get accurate information because there is a lot of false information out there. So what we can do to continue building uh, our presence online, our presence at events, and then our ambassadorship on the ground with our competitors is huge. Well, and I think that ties right into um, something that both of you committed, uh, put a lot of time into, which was serving, I mean, competing for and then serving as uh, Miss Rodeo of Oregon. And um, tell me, I want to hear from both of you, give the listeners a little perspective about how um, that pageant is very, very different from uh, what people traditionally think of as beauty pageants. Well, this is Nicole. I can give, uh, since I went first, I guess I'll yep, go first. Yep, big so, sister first. You know, I've never competed in a, a stereotypical Miss pageant. But from what I can tell, you know, the biggest difference is obviously going to be the horseback riding. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of takes the place of uh, talent, I suppose, in our pageant. where We're judged on numerous things, uh, horsemanship being one of them. And there's multiple parts or aspects to that horsemanship. We're expected to be able to do a pattern carry a flag of course run around the arena and wave that's very important uh, because that's usually where people see us is in the arena doing our presentation yeah. on you know uh, interacting with the crowd as best we can from a distance but we are also during our reign expected to do a lot of one-on-one and so the rest of the pageant takes you through aspects to test you on your ability to do that now that includes a written knowledge test about uh, the association and the rules it includes uh, several interviews on your horsemanship knowledge, a personality interview, which can cover anything from politics to your resume, 
you you name it. Um, and then we also usually do some modeling, uh, uh, public speaking, and we go through some mock TV interviews. No big deal. Yeah. No <laughs> Katie, what do you <laughs> want to add to that? I mean, that that is all it. Um, Nicole and I had probably, it's so funny that we were the first sisters to be Miss Rodeo Oregon because, in all honesty, we have two totally different backgrounds when it comes into it. Like, hmm. Nicole going into the Miss Rodeo Oregon pageant on day one for her year and me going in for my year are, like, black and white different. And so I think that's really interesting because, for me, what I opened the doors to is I come from sports. And so, for me, it was about who works the hardest and who has prepared the most and who has the best strategy that's like the three things that you needed mm-hmm. and I guess I could still portray in pageantry but the big thing was is there was this whole other world of politics and this like whether people wanted you in the club or out of the club because of what they knew or what they thought they knew about you so I thought that was really interesting and that's mm-hmm. something that I definitely learned a lot about mm-hmm. and then ironically went into working full-time in the capital and lobbying and so it was a lot of you know in politics and out of politics information that's really good to know. <laughs> Prepared you for the real world, right? <laughs> the the, the yeah. business world, the political world, everything. Yeah. You know, one of the things uh, I, I read a number of articles about both of you and, um, you know, your work and, and what it takes to compete uh, in uh, Miss Rodeo. And one of the uh, comments that I think maybe you said this, Nicole, we're quoted in the paper, but and it was about the, the skill of horsemanship. And um, I don't want people to underestimate. This isn't just, you know, carrying a flag around the arena because uh, the quote was, if you want to do well in horsemanship, you have to ride. And these are riding horses you don't know. You you ride other people's horses, right? Whatever horse they provide to you. But it says you have to ride them like you stole them. And uh, and then you also said, but that isn't all. We have to ride like cowgirls but look pretty, too. And that reminds me of that famous line about, you know, Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in high heels. Do you feel that yes. way sometimes? I Yes, I did feel like that all the time. Uh, <laughs> you got to not, not only be tough and have the skill, but you're expected to look gorgeous, too. Yeah, you can have someone come dress you in the fanciest clothes and do your hair and do your makeup, and you could look like... A 10, you know, but you can't ride, you can't do the job. So it's, it's really difficult to find that balance. And, you know, you're preserving the Western way of life, but you're, you're making it, I guess, attractive to an audience that might not know. And you're, you're supposed to be that catalyst that brings people in and wants mm-hmm. to make them want to ask questions. You're someone who's there that they can ask questions of. So really, yeah, the looks are important as far as keeping yourself well-groomed, just like in any other job. Um, it's just there's a bit more rhinestones involved, you know? Yep. Well, um, and one of the ways that I know that you are doing this um, also, Katie, is in terms of the podcast. Uh, So anyone who wants to hear more about um, what is a very cool uh, part of our culture these days, cooler than ever, uh, is that Western culture. Tell us about the podcast. Yeah, so it actually took me almost a full year to put it together because I'm one of those where like, oh, I'll, I'll work harder and I'll be more consistent than anyone out there. And that's kind of like my motto and that's probably a blue collar representation of our childhood right there. And and so we started a podcast in February of 2019 and it's called That Western Life and it's 50% rodeo and 50% other with other being ranching, farming, country music, Western fashion, etc. And we have so much fun with it. So we have 
Well, technically, we technically have five co-hosts, which sounds crazy, but you usually get two to three of them on per episode, and they're every single Wednesday. And we have myself, and then we have a stand-up comedian horse trainer from Southern California who's a former Miss Rodeo California, and her name is Rachel Owen Sarno. We have the 2017 Miss Rodeo America, Lisa Lagashar Lucia, and she's actually going to school for her doctorate in ag education. And then we have Katie Jo Barber, who is an HR and marketing specialist out of Louisiana. She's a former Miss Rodeo Louisiana. And then we have, and I'm not going to say I have a favorite co-host at all, but he's been someone that I've been involved with for rodeo for a super long time. And he's been one of my mentors, and his name is J.J. Harrison. He's a national finals rodeo barrel man or rodeo clown. He has been all over the country. He's been out of the country, and he's out of Walla Walla, Washington. So it's super awesome to be able to get all of these people on board and start showcasing more and more of what rodeo is like and in the Western lifestyle. And what about, and you've got another one that you're about to launch, right? <laughs> yes, and Nicole's a part of that one in a sense as well. So <laughs> in 2015, I so I decided to run for Miss Rodeo Oregon, and that pageant was August of 2015. And to put it in perspective, I had never competed in a pageant before. I had never run for a title, nor had I ever said would I run for a title before. So, in fact, she said quite the opposite. That, <laughs> that she was never going to do that, right? I was never going never to. Say never say never. more of a than her actually saying it. People would be like, are you going to run too? She would just give them the like, why would you help me that? Yeah. And so <laughs> I decided to run. I broke down what it would take to be the perfect rodeo ambassador into the different facets. And then I used my sister's help for all of it. And we put together a group of specialists. And I just called them Becoming Royal ironically, you know, because trying to win a rodeo royalty title. And we Mm -hmm. started a group called Becoming Royal. And that first year was 2015, where we just threw a little clinic of seven young women who were in agriculture who wanted to do something more. And that has actually progressed to this point where we are heading into, I think it's our sixth annual in 2020, and that will be in March. And we are super excited about it. And as a part of this, we continue to give back not only to young women interested in rodeo pageantry, mm-hmm. but for any person who's interested in proving 4-H or SSA. So we've actually had some boys come as well, bring a male speaker for them. And we work on interviewing skills, presentation, dining etiquette. We do horsemanship for the rodeo girls. We do rodeo knowledge for the rodeo girls. We do current event questions and modeling and, and all these all-encompassing facets and so as a part of that clinic um we are now moving into the podcast but you wanted to throw something in oh well i was gonna say we also have some miss pageant uh mm-hmm. role models and speakers that come as well so mm-hmm. we're covering multiple different styles of pageants but our focus is mostly in just leadership development uh which includes of course like katie said public speaking mm-hmm. interviewing being able to talk and present your ideas clearly and Mm-hmm. have that focus and we constantly get asked on social media as our following continues to grow about coaching opportunities more clinics clinics in different places and so we bounced around a couple of marketing ideas of just like a clinic in a box that anybody could leave from anywhere and that kind of thing and, and what we ended up settling on um for the time being is our podcast and so we're launching in the beginning of october and we just discuss with a variety of men and women about skills and assets they learned through pageantry or through coaching people in pageantry or from what they've done as a coach or a judge. And we are creating downloads and worksheet books to just help with that personal and professional growth and how 
the tools you learn in pageantry actually do have a point, and we want to make sure that those tools aren't just locked away in your toolbox for the rest of your life. We want you to take them, such as like Shelley Bossart Davis was the United States Farm Mom of the Year, and now she's a House Representative for the state of Oregon because of the skills and attributes she learned mm-hmm. during her time as a title holder. So we want more people to feel uh, mobilized and inspired to be able to keep going even if they don't have a crown on their head. I love it. Well, you know, my podcast focuses on uh, leadership, power, and gender, uh, specifically, you know, for uh, girls and women. Um, and, and so I'd, I'd like to wrap up really by asking each one of you um, to share something personal about um, what you see as the benefits uh, to girls competing and riding and getting dirty and building confidence. I guess one thing about me that's important to know uh, in my backstory is that I suffer from crippling social anxiety. Um, Mm. I was not able to talk to people until I was in high school, and even then it was on a bare minimum. Uh, So my journey includes uh, my mom really pushing me to do a lot of activities in 4-H, and that included uh, public speaking and uh, you know, junior and teen leadership, uh, county ambassador, things like that. So I was developing the skills. I just didn't necessarily want to use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a really pretty fast horse that had been a rodeo queen horse before, and I loved rodeo. So that led me to try out and compete and win the title of 2007 Benton County Fair and Rodeo Queen. That was so long ago, but uh, that really was kind of a tipping point for me. You know, uh, I had the skills, but it definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone and got me using them a lot more. And, of course, my journey just continued from there and continued to build. And, you know, just being out there and and challenging yourself and putting yourself in a situation where you can talk about what you're passionate about, Mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with people who are going to lift you up and encourage you and you know, have similar goals and you can kind of not necessarily compete against each other, but like compete with each other to keep making yourselves better, I think has been really important for me. Um, You know, and just, just like I said, finding what you're passionate about and being confident in it and not afraid to talk about it. You know, I feel a lot of people think they need to hide what they are super passionate about, you know, like whether they're, they think that people will think they're weird or they're embarrassed, like don't be, you know, if it's something you care about, share that with the world. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that very personal part of that, um, Nicole. Katie, how about you? Oh, well, I have to go for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a big thing that I'd touch on is, is and we talked about earlier, is I was really judgmental of the rodeo queens and, and what their capacity was mm. for rodeo. And I'm the first to admit it. And mm-hmm. I remember being challenged by Ashley Ziegler, the 2010 Miss Rodeo Oregon. And she said, well, if you have a problem with it, like you can't change it by being the same as everyone else. Like, don't be afraid to be different. And I thought that mm. that was really interesting. And that mm-hmm. was a big inspiring moment. And I remember I had this quote on my mirror for a long time that just said that some men can walk through a forest without seeing any firewood. And I remember being like, here I am, you know, praying to God for all these different things in my life. And, and I'm basically ignoring his answers, which I was like, I wanted to be this big representation in this journalism and reporter and, and all these things for the Western lifestyle. And but then I was anti the number one person who's going to do that. And so it was really interesting to just yeah. take that shift wow. and really break down and, and apply my sports background to say, what's my, you know, what's the strategy? You know, how can you do do this different or in a way that will reach more people. And that's where I feel like I found the most success is from those 
those items that we've learned, I feel like we've been able to, you know, bring the Larry Bell Memorial All Girls Rodeo forward. We've also been able to, you know, start this All Girls Rodeo Association yeah. at allgirlsrodeo.com. You'll find more information on it. Yeah. And then for me within my business, it's starting the podcast. We have a whole bunch of other stuff coming down the pipeline. And if I ever thought that it was okay to sit on the sidelines and be the same as everyone else, none of those things I don't think would have happened for me. Wow. <laughs> Well, you two are fantastic, and I love that uh, I, I can feel that strong sister bond between you, and I love that line about um, not competing against but competing with that's bringing out uh, the best in both of you, obviously, and, um, and you're certainly role models to the, the next generation of girls. Coming up. Well, I can confirm Nicole is blushing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit more awkward. I already said that. But yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Nicole and Katie Schrock, uh, for being with us on our Powering Up podcast. Uh, your horsewomen, skilled horsewomen, um, Oregonians, both former Miss Rodeo Oregon queens, and both driving forces behind building awareness. Uh, around All Girls Rodeo and uh, the rich, rich culture of the American West. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you. you. So thanks for joining us at Powering Up, everybody. We hope you'll subscribe and share us with your network. And Monica and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page or at Doyle LDR on Twitter. And remember... Power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work.